Good morning. Um, just a quick ADD moment for anybody. Was I the only one in the room that thought Matrix when the screen went crazy like that? Am I the only one that thought that? I am the only one that thought that. Really, nobody, you're going to leave me hanging? Nobody else thought that? I'm really the only person when it did the whole digital thing? Nobody did that? <sighs> okay, I know that I'm weird, and that just proved it right there. Um, Okay, so glad that you're here. We've got some things to cover this morning, so uh, break out your Bible, break out some notes, break out your phone. The reason that we want you to break out your phone is because if you have the version app, you can uh, follow along. Um, and so if you have the version app, that's kind of what it looks like, at least on the iPhone. If you have something other than that, I don't know if it looks like that or not. My apologies. And then what you can do is uh, you go to the Live tab, okay? And you go to the Live tab. When you click there, simply uh, type in the well Austin, and you'll see the notes for today. Um, also, there's a, if you don't have that and you just want to follow along, there's a link that you can use. Um, and that link right there will take you to the same place. So if you don't have the app, that link will take you to the same place. Um, there's always like... Not always, but generally there's some questions on there that we ask or whatever. And I know that some of you are like, well, I'm not going to ask that or answer that question because they don't ever look at it. Um, well, I want to show you that we do look at it because Tori asked a question last week. And the question didn't, is not on there, but the question was, how many of you could adequately describe what the spiritual disciplines are? And this was the result from last week. So if you answered last week or if you weren't here last week, this was the result. Um, so 61% of the people who were here last week said, no, I'm not, I'm not comfortable, I'm not confident in describing what the spiritual disciplines are. And so that was the result from last week. So um, sometimes they're silly questions that don't really have anything to do with what we're talking about, but sometimes they're actually serious, um, and we actually look at them. So one of the things that I wanted to do is take just some foundational moments this morning, and I have a weird habit, and one of the habits that I have that's weird is I just look up words in the dictionary, um, mostly for two reasons. Number one, because I'm a horrible speller, and I should just learn how to spell words better. And number Two, I'm just curious what the dictionary says. So this has nothing to do with, there's no, it's not a spiritual dictionary, it's not a Bible dictionary, it's just a dictionary. And so the first two words that I looked up, the first one was discipline. I don't know about you, but when I first think of the word discipline, it's usually not a pleasant thought. Like I usually think a negative opposed to a, a positive. So when I hear the word discipline, I just think, so this is what the dictionary says, to train or develop by instruction and exercise, especially in self-control. So that's what the dictionary says. So there's a bunch of different definitions, so I just picked out one that kind of might tie into what we're talking about this morning, but that's what the dictionary says. Another word that I wanted us to define this morning was soul. I looked this up. In the dictionary, okay? This is, comes from whatever the Webster dude's name is. That's where it comes from, okay? Um, and I saw somebody who just cringed when I said that because you love words and stuff. I'm, I apologize that I butchered that. But soul, the spiritual part of a person that is believed to give life to the body and in many religions is believed to live forever. So that comes straight from the dictionary. Like, I didn't make that up. It comes from the dictionary. Um, this, the next definition doesn't come from the dictionary, but I wanted to give us a foundation as we're talking about spiritual disciplines this morning. Spiritual disciplines create conditions for God to fill us and transform us. Nourishment for the soul. Okay, so that's just a quick definition of, of kind of what we're talking about there. And here's what's also interesting, I think, when we start talking about spiritual disciplines. I think... I don't know if anybody would be willing to admit this, 
But I think most people in general, when we start talking about spiritual disciplines, we make an assumption that that's for like monks or super spiritual people. It's, it's spiritual disciplines are for somebody else. It's not for me. I think sometimes we make the assumption. And what I want you to understand is when we talk about spiritual disciplines and as we look at what scripture teaches us today, this is for you and me. You don't have to be a monk, right? You don't have to chant crazy things. Spiritual disciplines are for you and me. And as we look at them, I want you to remember, things that we're talking about today, Jesus said these are the things that we're supposed to do if we say yes to him. Like they're, they're not suggestions, they're not like, well, if you want to be super spiritual, it's like he just kind of makes an assumption. Like if you say yes to me, these are the things that I, that I do that you should do if you want to be like me. And it's difficult because sometimes we want the easy way out, right? Like if we, want, we want the cliff note version. We want something simple. We want, we want to be able to take the pill and instantly have spiritual disciplines. Like we just want that to work that way. Like that would be my choice. I don't want to speak for you, but that would be my preference. Like, can I go to Walgreens and get the spiritual discipline pill and take that, and then I, I'm good for six months, and then I just got to go take it again? Like, I would be, that's what I would prefer, but it's not really the way that it works. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 simply says this. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather train, and we could even say discipline, rather discipline yourself for godliness. For while Bodily training is of some value. So it's not saying that you should neglect your body, your physical body. It's not what it's saying. It's like there's some benefit in eating right and getting some exercise. There's some benefit in those kinds of things. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for this present life and also in the life to come. Um, just through some reading, a, a guy named Don Whitney, he simply said this about spiritual disciplines. Um, think of the spiritual disciplines as ways we can place ourselves in the path of God's grace to seek him. And if you grew up, and I don't know, there's a bunch of different people in here from different backgrounds and different walks of life, and so I, I don't know if you grew up going to church, but if you grew up in America going to church, and I'm about to mention something and you're gonna be mad at me because it's gonna be stuck in your head. When I read that, when I read the definition, when it says put yourself in the path of God's grace to seek him, it reminded me of a story which then reminded me of a song, right? And it was about a wee little man. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Who was the, if you grew up in church, what was the wee little man's name? Zacchaeus. And this wee little man, Zacchaeus, you know what he did? He climbed a tree. Why did he climb a tree? Because he wanted to get a chance to see Jesus. He put himself in a position. He didn't know if anything was going to happen. He didn't even know if Jesus was going to see him. He just heard about Jesus and he's like, I need to see what this guy's about. And he put himself in a position to possibly receive something from Jesus. And I think that that definition of spiritual discipline applies even here in us. Like putting, Spiritual discipline is simply putting yourself in a position to receive something from God, okay? That's all it is. And it doesn't mean that anything magical is gonna happen. It doesn't mean that it's gonna be perfect, but it's like, I'm gonna do these things so that in hopes that I can receive something from God. Spiritual discipline, okay? 
Um, we've broken them down, and you can read a bunch of different stuff about them, but we've broken them down into two simple categories. So last week, Tori talked about what we've described as disciplines of engagement, study, worship, celebration, prayer, and fellowship and confession. So those were the ones that we dealt with last week. So this week, we're going to look, and to be honest, I was like, I was a little frustrated in the beginning. I'm like, when we were talking about who's going to do what. And Tori gets disciplines of engagement. Like, that sounds awesome. Like, let me teach that. That sounds really good. And I get disciplines of abstinence. But I love it. And I'm so glad that I'm talking about this one because I think that it has a huge impact on our life. And I think that we simply sometimes neglect these more than the other. Okay, so we're going to look at them briefly. Um, I'll go through them, but here, there they are. Silence and solitude, those kind of go together. Simplicity, service and sacrifice, meditation and fasting. And I know, like, if this is your first time at the well and you're like, oh, great, that's what we're talking about today. But I promise, it's going to be really interesting. Okay, I promise it will. Well, I'm going to try to make it interesting. I'm not really sure. But the, dimpl- the disciplines are simply a tool to help you hear from God. It's not a magic pill. It's not like if you do those things, instantly you're going to be the greatest Christian ever. Like it doesn't work that way. And, and this is the best way that I can think to illustrate it. So I want to show you, I'm kind of into plants. And so I've been working on this plant. I got a nice pot. Okay. Oh, somebody, I got a nice pot. Okay. I got a nice pot. I got the best soil and fertilizer that you can get, okay? I water this plant. I put it in the sun. I talk to this plant. (laughs) Come on, little plant. Let's grow. Let's grow. And I do all the things that you would do in order to have a great plant. Is this a great plant? It is not a great plant. Why is it not a great plant? Because it has no life. There is no life in this thing. And so I can do all the great things that you do to have a great plant and yet not have anything of substance. You can do great things in terms of spiritual disciplines. You can know what they all are. You can practice the spiritual disciplines. But unless you have God life on the inside of you, you're just going through the motions. You see what I'm saying? And so it's more than just do these magical things and these great things will happen in your life because it doesn't work that way. But what they do is put you in a position to receive something from God, but there's a prerequisite. It's like there's something that has to happen beforehand. And the beforehand is you have to realize that without Jesus in your life, you are dead. And when you realize that and you ask Jesus to come into your life, you get God life on the inside. Then when you start to practice the disciplines, you put yourself in a position to receive from God and you begin to grow. Does that make sense? Okay. There are people throughout history, specifically even in scripture, that tried to do that. They tried to do the spiritual sounding things and Jesus constantly told them, woe to you. That's got to be one of my favorite phrases that Jesus uses, which I wouldn't want him to say it to me. And though frequently he probably does. But I just, to me, it's like when he starts saying that, I'm like, get him, get him. Like, I don't know why, but it makes me excited. It's like, woe to you. And so Matthew chapter 23, uh, starting in verse 25, it won't show up on the screen because we had some trouble with that particular slide. But this is what it says in verse 25. Jesus is speaking, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites with a 
an exclamation point, okay? It's like, you're bad, okay? For you are, oh, uh, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, exclamation point. First, clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside might also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, exclamation point. For you are like whitewashed tombs, okay? We don't typically use that word tomb in our language that often, so let's just say you're like a whitewashed grave, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus is telling these people, hey, you're doing all of these things. You're doing the spiritual disciplines. You know scripture. You go to church. You you dress nicely. You look great, but you're dead on the inside. That's what he's telling them. You don't have life. You're like this plant. It will not grow if it does not have God life on the inside. And he uses the example of a cup. And I just, I don't drink coffee. I know that's weird, and 99% of the people in the room drink coffee. But I have this just because of the odd chance that I might want some hot chocolate. Um, But the cup is a really interesting example. And what Jesus is talking about there is you make the outside of the cup look really good, but the inside of the cup is completely filthy. So you're not going to get anything good from the inside of the cup, even though it looks great on the outside. And what Jesus is telling them is make sure that you clean the inside of the cup first. Make sure that you deal with your soul issue first before you start dressing up the outside. Make sure you get God life on the inside before you start trying to make your plant grow that's not going to grow. This is what he's saying. And what I want you to see is when you break these two things into these categories, which I really like. So the disciplines of engagement, those are simply to fill the cup. The disciplines of abstinence are to make sure that your cup is clean. Do you see that? And that's, you, you have to have both. So as we talk about these disciplines, the engagement ones help you fill your cup. The abstinence ones make sure that your cup is clean. And so I want to take a few moments and just walk through a few of them. Um, and there are a couple of moments in here, I'm just going to give you a warning up front. There are a couple of moments that are going to, feel awkward, okay? So I'm, this is like the PG-13 thing that you get at the movie beforehand or whatever. There's a couple moments in here that's going to feel a little bit awkward, so I just want to give you a warning. So we're going to look at them. The first one is silence. In Habakkuk, it simply says, uh, 2.20, it says, the Lord in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. You know what's interesting when we talk about the spiritual discipline of silence is completely foreign in our culture. And I just want to do a quick survey. How many of you, when you go to bed at night, are e- do one of two things? You either A, watch TV, or B, listen to music. Raise your hand. How many of you? Be honest. I actually thought it would be more than that, but a lot of people, okay, because we like that. How many of you, when you, the first thing that when you get into your car, you turn on the radio? We, we like sound. The reason, and we're uncomfortable with silence, and because we're uncomfortable with it, I'm going to press you on it for just a moment, and we're going to do a little bit of an experiment, 
okay? We're just going to sit here in silence. Eric, I forgot to ask you to do this. Can you time us, please, for one minute? We're going to do one minute of silence. We're practicing, okay? Spiritual disciplines. I'm making you do it whether you want to do it or not. For one minute, on your mark, we're sitting still and silent, nothing, for one minute. And just wave your hand when we're done, okay, Eric? Are we ready? Go. Wow. I don't want to speak for you, but for me, that felt like a decade. Because we don't like that. Because we always want to be stimulated by something. And to be quite frank, it wasn't even really all that silent, because I don't know if you noticed, there's all kinds of things going on. Like you heard a door slam, you heard a fan making a stupid noise. Like you hear things, right? You heard probably, maybe you heard somebody's stomach growl next to you. So it really wasn't even completely silent, but that's okay. But what my point is simply this, we don't like that. We want stuff constantly bombarding us. And if we're not careful, if we don't take time to, to be silent and to protect and practice solitude, which we'll get to in just a moment, we don't ever clean the inside of our cup. And if you don't ever clean the inside of your cup, you can't ever actually fill your cup up. And so it makes us super uncomfortable. We don't like it. It's not fun. But I think that it's a lost practice. We don't do that very often. And so I just want to encourage you to experiment with that a little bit. Um, solitude, those two kind of naturally go together, solitude and silence, like if you're by yourself, unless you're just, you want to sing really loud or whatever, like those two kind of go together. And if you read in scripture, it happens multiple times, but solitude, um, Jesus often withdrew into a lonely place and he prayed. And so don't misunderstand this. So the silence and the solitude part, like it would be easy or it'd be easy on most of these to say, well, I'm just going to be by myself and be quiet, and that's what the spiritual discipline is about. It's more than that, okay? It involves putting yourself in a position to interact with God. So it's not simply like, and those of you who are much more introverted, you're like, well, I'll just go be by myself all the time, and then I'll be practicing spiritual disciplines. It doesn't work that way exactly. Like, you have, there's has some intentional parts to it. And so, you, yes, you're putting yourself to interact with God, but if you're not intentional about it, you'll just be by yourself and not do anything, okay? So you have to be intentional about it. The next one is simplicity, and I, I struggled with how to deal with this one um, because I think we are clueless about what this means. 
And so, um, Tori mentioned it last week, all of this simply comes from a book uh, called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. If you want to read the book, I encourage you to get it and read it. It's one of the best books that I've ever read. It's super practical and helpful. Um, And this comes straight from the book, and I hate it when people read to me, but I'm about to read to you. I mean, you can read for yourself because I have a slide, but it's kind of all hard to see. But this is what, in simplicity, 10 things that he wrote down. Number one, buy things for their usefulness rather than their status. Ouch. Reject anything that is producing an addiction in you. Ouch. Develop a habit of giving things away. Double ouch. <laughs> Refuse. Do we, can we skip number four? It would benefit me greatly if we skip number four. Number four, refuse to be propagandized, or however you would say that, by the custodians of the modern gadgetry. I, I fall into this one all the time. Because whatever the gadget is, I want it. I don't even care what it is. Like, if somebody told me today that they invented the first teleporter and they wanted me to try it out, sign me up. Like, I, I, I love anything to do with gadgetry, and so that one's a big struggle for me. Number five, learn to enjoy things without owning them. Number six, develop a deeper, a deeper appreciation for the creation. Number seven, look with a healthy skepticism at all the buy now, pay later schemes. You do realize that he intentionally used the word schemes there because that's what they are, right? It's so easy to get trapped into that. I want this, and they'll let me buy it now, and I don't have to pay for it until later. And we think that we're getting a good deal. You're not getting a good deal, just so you know. Um, Number eight, obey Jesus' instructions about plain and honest speech. This one is a struggle for a lot of us because we like to try to impress people with our words. And, And... This one escapes me. I wouldn't have put this one on the list intentionally. Like, I would have probably not even thought of this one. But as he wrote that one down, as I read it, I'm like, hmm. I try to impress people with the words that I say instead of just being simple. And just, if I can use a three-letter or a four-letter word instead of a 12-letter word, I'll use, let's use the three-letter word. But we try to, we think the more letters, the better. It's not always true. Um... Number nine, reject anything that breeds the oppression of others. Number 10, and this one, like if you didn't even pay attention to any of the other ones or you didn't like any of the other ones and you only wanted to pick one, number 10 is the one that you should pay attention to. Shun anything that distracts you from seeking first the kingdom of God. Whatever that is, doesn't matter what it is. Get rid of it. And then in the book, he actually adds a prayer. And I think that it's really good. May God give you and me the courage, the wisdom, the strength always to hold the kingdom of God as the number one priority in our lives. To do so is to live in simplicity. And so, of all of the ones that we're talking about today, I'm just, I don't know, I mean, you could rank them like, hey, I'm pretty good at this one, or I really stink at this one. I think most of us, not all of us, but most of us struggle with simplicity. It's not something that comes natural in our culture or our society. And so I just want to challenge you on it a little bit. Like, evaluate where you're at. 
Is there things that are controlling your life? Are there things that are, are way more important in your life than they should be? Quickly, one thing in my life, I, there was a period of time where, okay, keep in mind, I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to not have any of these things. I, like I, Everybody thinks that your life is perfect for whatever reason, which is not true at all. There was a period of time in my life where there was something that became incredibly important. And, it, and as I say it, you're probably gonna laugh and think, well, that's not that big of a deal. I was really into collecting sports cards. Like, it was a big deal. Like, I probably wouldn't go to the card store every day, but I would go multiple times a week, okay? And I had the books, and I would read up on what card is, is moving up in value and what card is going down in value, and I would spend so much time invested in sports cards at the neglect of my relationship with God. And so I wonder, what is it in your life that's kind of creeped in? Because here's what happens. It doesn't ha- it's like, because if it was like, boom, this is more important than God, you'd be like, ooh, I don't want to do that. But what happens is it creeps in your life and you don't realize it. And you wake up one day and you're like, I spend way too much energy, time, effort on blank. So what is that in your life? What are you spending too much time, energy, effort, money on? Um... Service and sacrifice, uh, Mark 10, 45, I think is the perfect example for this. Um, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and gave his life as a ransom for many. I don't want to spend a lot of time on here on this, but um, how can you serve? What does it look like for you to serve someone else and to make a sacrifice? Okay? Um, Meditation. Um, This one is tad bit touchy and we for the most part don't have a clue what it means Um, most of the time when we hear the word meditation typically what we think is that meditation means the emptying of your mind and that's actually the opposite of what we're talking about here okay so in some cultures they use the word meditation to mean the emptying of your mind this is not what we're talking about here what we're talking about is the actual filling of your mind and the concentrating on one specific thing one specific verse one attribute of Jesus whatever the case may be, that's the definition that we're dealing with, not the emptying of your mind. So I don't want you to be confused when we use the word meditation and you think, well, I got to sit down on a mat on the floor and go, um, and that's meditation because that's not what it's talking about. Okay. All right. It's talking about the filling of your mind, not the emptying of your mind. And if you think through scripture, one of the things that scripture teaches us, and it's just an interesting thing. So there's a verse in the Bible, and this is a little bit of a pop quiz. Can we have a pop quiz? It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord God with all your soul. Love the, God, the Lord your God with all your mind. And as we talk about meditation, it's talking about, and, and if you want more details, the book gives you great details, or you can talk to, to me afterwards, but meditation is simply focusing on a specific verse, focusing on a specific attribute of Jesus, and it's concentrating on that, not the emptying of your mind, okay? And then I want to take a brief moment and talk about fasting. So if meditation is confused and not practiced in our culture, then you dang for sure gonna say that fasting isn't, okay? This one, for the most part, we have no clue about. And I've also personally struggled the most with talking about this one, um, and I'm gonna show you why. Matthew chapter six, 
verse 16. By the way, I don't know if you're participating in reading the Bible with us in the year, like you can use it on your iPhone or you can get the sheets. Um, and, and so Matthew chapter 6 was one of the chapters that we were supposed to have read um, this past week. And as I'm going through that, I'm like, and I, and I know that I'm preparing for this, I'm like, part of me is like, oh, that's really cool that God's arranging these things in my life. But then the other part of it was like, <laughs> Really? Why? Are, I would rather not have to deal with this right now. This is what it says. And when you fast, so it's making the assumption that you do, okay? So making the assumption that you fast, which is already challenging in the first three words. <laughs> and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. So I don't know if you've ever been around anybody who's fasted before and they're like, I'm so hungry. And they're like, you know, and they're like walk around and they intentionally like make their mouth look. I don't think I can make it. And they're going crazy. And they're telling you every five minutes about how, how they're fasting. And, and some of it is like, woe is me. And then some of it is like, look at me, you know. It says, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, you have received, they have received their reward. So it's like when people say, wow, you're fasting? That's awesome. That's as much as they get. That's it. That's as much as they get. That's what it says. But then it says in verse 17, but when you fast, again, challenging, making an assumption, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay? So that's what it says. Actually, that whole chapter talks about several other things in the same kind of way, like be careful about what you do in front of men, because if they say, way to go, that's the reward that you get. Okay? So, that's my challenge. That was my struggle. And you think, well, that's kind of weird. Why is your struggle? Because... I think fasting is a spiritual discipline that we should all participate in because here's, here's why I think that you should do this. It increases your spiritual sensitivity like nothing else. I don't know how, does that, does that make sense? Can it, it increases your spiritual sensitivity beyond anything else that I've personally ever done or experienced. It, it just does. And so, there are other examples in the Bible of like, so this is talking about individual fasts, but there are other things in the Bible that talk about a corporate fast where a group of people are fasting for something specific. Now, when we're talking about fasting, here's what you have to understand. It is not about losing weight. It is not about eating healthy. It is not about, so what happens is, so let's just, can we pretend together for a moment? Let's pretend. So let's pretend that we're all going to take a, do a fast together. And, we're, and so we're fasting and we're going to, tomorrow, we're going to not eat lunch. And the idea behind fasting is take the time that you would normally spend eating and focus on God. So that's prayer, reading scripture, meditating, all the things that we've been talking about. Spend those times. The other thing that happens is in those moments when you're like, just internally, you're like, dang, I'm kind of hungry. It prompts you immediately. Why am I hungry? Oh, yeah, I'm hungry because I'm praying for mm, whatever that is. 
You see what I'm saying? And so when you feel that, when you feel that thing where you would normally be like, ooh, I need a cracker, you're like, oh, I need to pray. And it's just constantly there. And it's like, and what's interesting, the more that you practice the discipline of fasting, the more it like gets ingrained into your mind. And every time a thought or, or a feeling, and it's just like constantly, oh, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm, and it's like, it's like if you, it's you raise your spiritual antenna to like no other thing. So for the past, this is, this is dangerous and I, and I hope that I'm doing good and not bad. For the past six or seven years, for the last three weeks of January, so 20 whatever, 21 days or whatever that ends up being, for the last three weeks of January, um, I personally have chosen to participate in what is called a Daniel fast. And if you want to know more about that, I can talk to you about that. Um, it comes from scripture and there's some things. But anyways, and the reason why I want to be passionate about this this morning is because I want you to know that for me personally, this has raised my spiritual radar like it's to a completely different level. Now, the next question that you would ask would be like, well, what has God shown you? And there hasn't been anything that's been like, oh, look at these three things. But as I pray and meditate and think about what it is that God wants me to do this year, okay, so that's, that's, that's a purpose. What is it that God wants me to do this year? Uh, my prayer is that by the end of the three weeks, he's gonna show me. Um, now, I'm gonna, can I challenge you a little more? Well, you, it's not that you have a choice because I'm going to say it. Well, you do have a choice. You don't have to do it, but I'm going to challenge you to do something, and you can choose not to do this. One of the things that I want to challenge you to do is on Wednesday, so this week, Wednesday, if it's possible in your schedule on Wednesday, I'm going to ask you to, to fast and pray for something specific. So we're going to do this as a church, okay? Pray and fast for something specific. And so that can look like a couple, I'm going to, can I give you levels? I'm going to give you some levels. Stick with me. We're almost done here. I'm going to give you some levels. You can miss one meal, and you can pray for what I'm about to ask you to pray for, or, or you can miss two meals, or you can just say, I'm going to go for 24 hours. Whatever level you choose to participate, this is what I'm asking you to do, to fast, okay, and to pray specifically for the church and more specifically for people to say yes to Jesus, like what I'm asking you to pray for is uh, that the well would see uh, an abundant plethora, whatever big word you want to use there, a lot. How about that? That the well would see a lot of people in the very next few weeks in the month in this year say yes to Jesus. And if you would like to do this, like it's optional. Nobody's going to know. Well, I'm about to tell you how I might know. But if you choose not to, great. But if you choose to do it, what I would like for you to do on the back of your card is to say, I'm going to do this. And on the back of your communication card, you can check and say, I'm going to pray and fast on Wednesday that lots of people would come to find Jesus. And that's what we're praying for. So that makes sense. We're cool on that. So if you want to know more about that, come and talk to me about it later. And we'll, we'll discuss a little bit more about it. I want, to, I want to show you one last thing. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and it starts listing out some things, love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So it lists out a bunch of things. And I don't know about you, but as I, every time, it happens to me every time, as I read that list, every time I'm like, could work on that, could work on that, could work on that. Like that happens every time I read that. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What that's saying to us is this. If you've said yes to Jesus, if you have God life on the inside of you, you're not like this, you're like a real plant. And those things that it lists, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, those things come from because you have God life in you, you put yourself in a position to receive from God and you grow in those things. Spiritual disciplines. There's not a pill. It's not magic. It's God life in you and God life growing in you because you put yourself in that position. Does that make sense? This is challenging stuff, but I want to encourage you I want you to think about what do you need to do to clean the inside of your cup and what do you need to do to fill your cup? Spiritual disciplines are like the screensaver for your soul, right? If you have a computer monitor and the same thing stays on there all the time, it burns into the screen. Spiritual disciplines are the screensaver for your soul and if you're not intentional with it, the world gets burned into your soul and you think, what happened? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. And I personally am overwhelmed, but yet encouraged by what you have taught us this morning. And I pray that it would be not just mere words that we listen to or words that we sing, but I pray that you would begin to touch and clean our soul, that you would fill us up. And as we continue to pray this morning, I just want you to think about three things. Do you have true life on the inside of you? Or are you like a fake plant? just doing spiritual things and if you don't have God life on the inside of you maybe this morning is a perfect time and you just quietly to yourself say a simple prayer Jesus I'm dead on the inside I know that I have sinned against you I understand that you came, that you lived, that you died, and that you came back to life for the forgiveness of my sins. I say yes to you. The next question for us to consider this morning is, do you need to clean the inside of your cup?
God, help us not to neglect you. Help us not to merely worry about our appearance or the outside, but we ask you to help us clean the inside of our cup. And the last question for us this morning is, do you need to fill your cup? God, I I pray that you would help us not to do empty things. I pray that you would help us not just simply go through the motions, but our prayer and our desire is that we would put ourselves in a position to hear from you, that you would grow us, that you would stretch us, that you would change us, that you would make us more like yourself. Teach us to love you more. Teach us to love others more. In your righteous and holy name we pray. Amen.